Hey everybody, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. So my guest this go around is Ryan Shacklett. Ryan has multiple personas with his main as Wild SIE. I'm assuming a lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So for you uninitiated, that means he attends conventions and events uh, dressed in an insanely impressive animal suit. So they're often referred to as furries. So not only does it provide a place to explore parts of your personality, but um, also has a lot of room for creative expression. So he participates, but he also gets to give these experiences to others through his own multi-employee company that creates these, I mean, just crazy impressive suits. At any rate, I hope you enjoy this chat with Ryan. Yeah, the, the suits are definitely a, a part of the artistry that really captured my attention. And I got to looking at them more and more and I'm like, you know what, this is something that I like to try building. And I was looking at them, it's like, I could, yeah, seeing how they were being done, what the standards were and, and such, it's like, I can improve on this. And it was just, it seemed like a real personal challenge to me. I had, prior to this, I used to have a printing business that I owned for 23 years. Uh, that I sold back in 2017, and because it was it was time to get out of that business, it was <laughs> I've been doing it for long enough, and just like all right, I was over it. And realistically, that that you know, printing is dying, and it was time to get out of it. So uh, I chose a good time to exit that. So yeah, building first suits was really just a good um, thing for me to essentially focus my energy into, and and uh, to try and do and see what I could conquer. So I mean, it's it's just you know, getting back to your question, like who am I? Well. I think a lot of people get defined by what they do or, or stuff like that. And I think that's this, this definitely defines a lot of who I am because it's like, I am kind of that a bit of an engineer, a bit of an artist. And I definitely love to figure out challenges and, and that's, you know, that's my personality. I'm definitely a work centric person. That's just always working. And that's, you know, that I think that really describes best as to who I am. And, you know, and, and, you know, with building these things, the thing that's, that's the most I don't get rich on making these, not remotely. <laughs> it's like I'm just making things work. But the reality is where I get my satisfaction is seeing the end results, seeing when the customer gets it, seeing how much they fall in love with it, seeing how much happiness it brings them, seeing that it's something that's not just used for a little bit and gone, but it's something that they will be touching, feeling, wearing days, you know, months years and it's it's you know they will have this this will be something that'll be a part of their life for a very long time and it's something that gets that they will look at almost every day and, and touch and feel and and you know so those are that that makes me very happy to have to make something that is that is used and loved and enjoyed and that's important because before when i did printing most of our stuff was just you know, it was advertising we did graphics and printing for ads for retail stores and it kind of drove me nuts that basically i was i was creating things that would yeah go up on the walls like yeah i printed that a week later it's in the trash and it was just mm. it bothered me that literally what i was creating was so much waste and it was also creating things that basically just lined other people's pockets and you know frankly a lot of the advertising was stuff that just took advantage of people too and i'm just like hmm. that didn't sit well i didn't like being part of that equation so that was i was that's also part of the reason why i decided to exit printing so. that's interesting because i like i can imagine people don't fall in love with a flyer right <laughs> that's nope. printed out nope. for their business or something like that right but 
like um knowing a, a little bit about kind of furry culture i mean we jumped but in both both feet which i love maybe both paws a little pun there for you um yeah. knowing some people in there that some of them once they put on their persona they they come alive they get to operate in a part of their life that they don't normally get to and the fact that you give them a conduit that just makes them excited for that that must be like yeah. such an incredible feeling like just the i don't know satisfaction or like i've i've genuinely brought joy to this person's life like i that is a very tangible thing that you get to literally see that must be wild well and it's just like there was somebody that came over here to get their suits um you know, literally last two weekends two weekends in a row i've had somebody come out to pick up their suit uh, one guy was from the United Kingdom. He flew over here to get a suit because he wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to get lost. <laughs> There's a whole story with that on the way to fly back, fly back. <laughs> but anyways, British Airways performed terribly. But anyways, <laughs> um, but the thing was, is that, you know, in person, he was a very, you know, a very serious personality you know, not not somebody that really just seems to be joking around a lot and stuff like that but just you know it's funny because it's like i met him and it's like for the first time of course i'd seen pictures of him because i'd made the suit for him and that's part of the process of doing doing the suits hmm. is i basically have i get photos of them along their measurements but the point was is like you know meeting the person you know, seeing their personality you kind of get an idea who they are and he was a very serious personality and he once he had the suit on it's just like it completely changed. And the following weekend, he was, there was a, he also flew out to get it because the following weekend was a convention in Scotland, ScotiaCon. And I'm seeing the video and I'm seeing, I'm basically, uh, you know, the person who's, who's, who sent him my way to have, have him commission suit for me. Um, also, you know, he was sending me video basically of the, of this person, Amper was his name, uh, in suit. And it's just like, he was having a ball. He was having an absolute blast. And it's just so nice to see that somebody that normally has to be that kind of serious personality can unlock and have that other just absolute fun side. And that's what, that's what for me, furry really is, is basically seeing, giving that ability to kind of unlock a side of your personality that normally you would lock away simply because in, you know, normal you know, reality, you're, you, that's not something you do. That's, you know, maybe under, in, you know, in around close friends, you might be a little silly, but this just basically unlocks an entire different side of a lot of people that you don't normally get to see. And it was, it was really, really cool. And that's what makes me happy and makes it, you know, that's what makes me want to build these things and do this is because I get to see that and see mm -hmm. how much happiness it gives people, it gives people that way. So, cause it's just, you know, they're, you know, a lot of people, even myself, it's like, I'm, you know, like here, I'm normally just a very uh, serious person, but you know, you put on a suit and you can, you can really be somebody completely different and it's, and it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to, um, on this podcast, I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of trained clowns and something that they do is they put on a little bit of makeup and then they become this entirely different person, right? Yeah. These personalities, these characteristics and traits and stuff. And I guess part of it is you get to hide behind this thin layer of makeup, but I don't know that that would be enough for me. Like it, it gives me anxiety to think, oh, I have to be this crazy and silly. But you know what? If I, in my head, I'm going back a, 
a, a layer further. And if I actually had like a suit on, I think maybe I would feel more comfortable to to kind of let that side out, yeah. you know, to to be a little silly. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, I know why. Like, I always feel like I have to be in control and I always have to give this certain vision of, of you know, it's like, this is this is who I am, right? I always have to, like, do that. And there's just, I don't know, maybe it's like a safety thing. And so it just sounds like it kind of gives you the ability to, what, lower your inhibitions a bit and, like, not, like, have to feel so controlled and I could just let these parts of me out. Is that, I yeah. mean, does that feel like it resonates with you a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can, well, and it's funny, too. It's, like, different... So it's like myself, I have seven different suits that I've gotten from different makers, you know, so I have, I have a variety of suits and, and of course, you know, most people will have kind of like one that's more of their identity and, you know, absolutely. Most people know me as wild, I'll say the purple wild dog that I have, but it's fun. The other suits that I have, like I've got, I've got an angry yin and it's, and it's fun because it's like his face is just and, and whatnot. And it's fun to put that suit on. And be the angry geen and just like whatnot. And it's funny the reactions you get because people just see that. And they're just that you could see it light, they, they light up seeing this angry yin coming at them and being frustrated and whatnot and and and, 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 uh, and doing that. Uh and it's fun just to kind of like try a different personality and do that and just you know act that out. It is fun. And and the interactions you get with people. Yeah, that's so cool. Like I I don't know why it didn't occur to me that you would have different suits, uh, but also that they would have entirely different personalities. That sounds like such a life hack, like to get to try just different things, you know, yeah, and exactly. to feel your way through it. Cause like uh, we go to RenFest like every year. Right. And to me, it feels very similar, right? Somebody puts on a costume and they, you know, become this character, like this completely yeah. different person from a different time or place. Um, What's honestly interesting, because I was talking to my wife about this, I was like, that seems like it's so socially accepted. You go to RenFest, you're going to see people in character, but I don't know that fairy or uh, not fairies, furries have quite made that same leap in public understanding. Like, why does it seem like people think it's so weird? Because, I yeah. mean, when you boil it down to its base pieces, you're being a character like, yeah in a place where that character is appropriate. Why is it so weird to, to do it one place, but not the other? Like, exactly. Where does that even come from? I don't understand it. Well, and it's, I've, I've noticed that there's a lot of people, imagination and openness. It's, it's funny. Cause there's, there's some people, you know, public suiting is always an interesting experience. Mm. So when you go, you know, you go somewhere that, you know, you're the only furry there and or you and a friend are the only furry there and you put, you put on the suit and you wear that and the interactions you get with people are very polar shall we say and what i find is interesting is that some people will light up and they'll just like oh my god that's fun and they, they see that and they smile and and you know they'll high five you or you know whatever it is they yeah and they've even had people that have come over and just like wanted to hug and they just like you know, i'll just give them a big old hug and whatnot and it's interesting that there's some people that have that side to them that they absolutely embrace, they enjoy it, they embrace it, they like it. And then there's other folks that basically they can't even make eye contact with you or they look through you and past you like you don't even exist. And, you know, and, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's worse. Very few have I ever had with negative interactions where it's mm -hmm. been where people are just like, oh, get out of my face. You know, I've had, I've had people basically drive by in cars and yell stuff at me. 
But, you know, I'm just like, come on, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't care. I really don't care. And it's, yeah, those are the folks that are basically just really trying to, you know, you know, it goes like the kid in school that was just trying to get a rise out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's all it was. And that's what that personality is. So, and generally the, the most negative reactions I've had have had, have been from like, you know, teenagers and young 20 somethings. But the funny thing is, is that most of furry is people that are probably in their you know late teens all the way into 30s, somewhere in there. That's the probably the lion's share of the population hmm. uh, of furry. And, you know, the, somebody myself, like I'm 50. I just turned 50 uh, last November. I'm an outlier. I'm definitely, you know, there's, there's, there are, there are people that are my age that are in furry, but not as many. Um, generally, most of the folks that are in furry that are older are usually the ones that organize and run the, run the conventions. That's, you know, they've been around, they've been in furry for a long time. They've got life experience, and they're the ones that are often, more often, not the the organizers of a lot of uh, conventions, and and you know, involved. You know, it's such as myself. It's like a lot of the fruit suit makers. Granted, there's a lot of fruit suit makers that are young. They just are doing it, uh, you know, in the evening after work or something like that. But the there's also probably the larger percentage of makers that are out there are generally have been around for for quite a few years and are older. And, and it is because it's basically, it's as a business and you have to be responsible and you have, you know, you're receiving a lot of money from people and you don't want to just blow that money. You need to, you need to, you know, run your business responsibly. And, uh, yeah. And it's funny because this business for me has been a real challenge. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't have formal education in anything that I've done. I've actually, you know, I had my business of 23 years previously and successfully sold it and, um, it was a successful business and it was just me kind of figuring things out as it went. And, and I took a lot of that knowledge from that business and applied that to this business. And some of it's worked, some of it definitely has not. And uh, <laughs> so it's, it's been, and you know, times change, things change. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing this in a very different place than it was when I had the other business. You know, I'm running this out of my house and I have a separate studio building at my, on my property here and things like that. So there's been definitely a number of variables that have impacted how the business runs. So it's taken me a while to kind of you know bumble through that quite literally and get those things figured out. But it's it's um at the end of the day, it's working and and you know, but that's you know, it takes a lot of experience to get to that point. And and uh so and you know, and the ability to financially float that too when right, things are right. wrong. That's the other part. So yeah. that's you know, and definitely I've had my share of that too. So yeah. it's it's you 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 battle through all of it. I think that's really cool that you've you've essentially assimilated all of these experiences through your life to be able to come together and and make this incredible art. And I am very much the same way. Like I am trained in a, a very narrow set of things, but I do all this other stuff, right? And it's you know, as life comes at you, you can say, "Oh, I can't do that," or you just say, "Yeah, we'll do that." And then you know, you build your parachute after you jump out of the plane, sort of thing. So I'm yep. I'm very much in that camp, and I I love that kind of. Uh, that energy. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, walking around uh, kind of a solo mission. And I've, um, the only furries I've entered or I've interacted with is like when I go to Comic-Con or something like that, you know, tons of people love to cosplay. And every now and then there's a furry uh, there. And you know, what always attracts me is like, I pull in and I'm just looking at the art and the artistry, like how well some of them are made. I mean, obviously some of them are, are just young kids who threw their own stuff together. Oh, yeah. And and I, I love that too. 
there's there's a part of me that's just like gorilla maker. Like I love just man, let's yeah. get the hot glue. Let's. Th-. But then there's some people who really you can tell there's a lot of fit and finish to um, their outfits and uh, my brain. I love to make stuff and I love to figure out how to do stuff. It's so funny. Like sometimes I'll decide I want to make something, but I won't look up how you're supposed to do it. I won't see how anybody else does it. And I'll just see if I can attempt yeah. it. Yeah. yeah I, I love trying to just figure it's almost like a puzzle. It's like a challenge. And I, I love doing yeah. that stuff. And so, um, I think that's the thing that probably attracted me to your work was that just immediate. Well, one, you have, you have produced a huge amount of suits, like a tremendous, you have a ton of stuff that is out there, um, which to me says you're successful in your, your craft. You're actually like making quality materials that are, you know, products that are, that are lasting on. But also I've noticed in some of the pictures, when you zoom in, they are so well constructed like that. Okay. There's, um, uh, a competence associated with anybody doing anything, if they have a certain level of competence, it's always fascinating to me. I, I love to see how those things are made. Is that, do you find yourself like finding enjoyment in the challenge of how do I do this new thing? How do I come up with the next thing? Absolutely. It's it's funny because that's probably the one complaint my staff, any of the employees that work for me is like, I'm always changing how I'm doing it. <laughs> because the reality is, is that, you know, I do something and I look at it, it's like, <clears throat> there's got to be a better way. There's got to be, you know, and it's, and it's twofold, basically on one side of like, okay, on one side, there's the artistry, uh, actually probably three layers. You've got the artistry and like, how does this look? Can I improve the look? Now, the other, the along with that is basically the execution of it and basically building that. Hmm. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, you can, you, know, you can dream up anything. doesn't mean you can build it. <laughs> so so it's you've got to basically improve as you as you improve your artistry ideas you know you've a big part of that is improving your execution and then lastly along with that is practicality and wearing it and durability and things like that you know yes i could have this fantastic idea okay i figure out how to make it but does it, it going to hold up is it going to last mm. so those are those are kind of the, the the three factors that go hand in hand there and so, yeah, that's been the real balance of like, you know, of each, each of those things, you basically just keep improving. So, and, yeah, and it was one of those scenarios that, you know, I had, I had these great ideas and my execution was, you know, my artistry was here, my execution was down here. So I worked to really get my execution up higher. And now it's, you know, now I've got my execution way up here. So now this is allowing me to go ahead and raise my artistry. Hmm. But as time is going on, I'm seeing where the durability is, the durability and comforts and all of that other stuff. So as, you know, as time, and those are only things that you're going to see with time and people yeah. wearing it and hearing the feedback of like, Hey, I like this, or I don't like that. And, and so those are the other part of it in trying to essentially, so it's funny because the one place, you know, if you, if you look at any of my public communications, the one angry tweet I've made is I want to know if something doesn't work or is not right, hmm. because that's the only way I can fix it. And, you know, one thing that drives me nuts is if I hear from somebody else, you know, the grapevine that somebody had a problem with my work, like, I can't fix it unless I know about it. So, and I want to know about it so I could fix it. And, uh, but, you know, but that's, that's the point is basically, so you're, you're constantly working between those different things. And, you know, and it's, it's for me, um, I've gone down the path of doing everything digitally. So I... I think I'm the only maker out there that digitally 
Well, no, no, I shouldn't say that. There's one other person, the uh, generalist creation. He's and he's actually a friend of mine. He learned from me. He's he's used a lot of my methods. But so I'm out with one of two makers that I know of that basically does things digitally. So where I am, uh, I digitally, I just get measurements and I use that to generate the bodies. I don't do, most makers get a duct tape dummy. And if you're not aware of what a DTD or, you know, DTD for short, uh, a DTD is basically where you put on like some, uh, one of those painters Tyvek suits and you have a couple of good friends uh, tape you up, <laughs> duct tape completely. Cause what it is is you're just recreating a person's body. And then they cut you out of that, and and then you send that into the maker, and they'll go ahead and draw the lines on for the for the design. They cut that out, and when they cut that out of the fur, they have to expand for the you know seam allowances. If it's a it's suits, there's two kinds of suits. There's planet grade, planet grade, and digital grade. And those two styles, basically, planet grade is just your own body. Digital grade is basically where you've seen suits where like you have the the leg has like the dog leg shape on it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like a lot of extra padding baked in, right? Exactly. Or it could have like extra muscle or stuff like that. That's digitigrade. Hmm. So if you're doing a digitigrade, you have to expand out the pattern to make this, you know, to make those shapes too. And that's a bit of a challenge and different people do that different ways. For me, I just get measurements. Uh, I wrote a program that will go ahead and recreate the person's body based on those measurements. And then in 3D, I'll sculpt out the bodies. If they're getting a digitigrade suit, I can sculpt out the body to go ahead and create the shape they want, create the tail, create you know anything that they're just going to have on their suit, send that over to them to, to look at, say, is this the shape you wanted? And then I move that into a patterning software, which then I can draw all the lines on to separate out the colors, draw all the other lines in to pattern it out. And that takes those lines on the 3D object and flattens them over to a two-dimensional to then generate the pattern. And that does all of the seam allowances and and shows you the, you know, basically keeps track of how it goes together and all the crossover notches. And that's, you know, and, and so I've gone down that path. And the thing that's different with what I've done is that I've definitely invested heavily in software and technology. So uh, like the software I use, 3D software is Modo. And uh, it's, I think they charge like 800 bucks a year for that program now. Um, the patterning software is really the most spicy one. That one is a program called Rap Styler. And that program cost me sixteen thousand uh, dollars, and it's got a three thousand dollar year maintenance software. But Whoa. maintenance fee for it. But that program—that's the industrial duty stuff. That's what is used for doing uh, you know, a lot of automotive materials. It's used for a lot of medical stuff. You know, the company that manufactures the software is like I can't even talk about all my customers and what they do because a lot of it's very proprietary and trade secret type of thing. But it's the industrial duty software, and that software works fantastically for what I do. Um, so, but it's, again, it's hella specialized. And, uh, so by using those programs, that's what, that's what's enabled me to be able to generate these things. And then, you know, the other path is like for the heads, things like that, that's also heavily in 3d. And it's funny because most you get into furry, you see tons of drawn art where people are drawing out things. I can't draw. I can't, I can't <laughs> save my life. So it's it's you know the other i've actually had somebody because a lot of people a lot of me for suit makers will draw little characters on the box when they send it to them as a, as a nice little thing i'm like and people have asked me it's like why don't you do that in your boxes like i can't draw <laughs> <laughs> i'll print out a 3d render and stick it on there great but 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 that's the point though is that i use how i express my artistry is through the software that's right. you know using program using moto that allows me to sculpt and to play and that's how I can I can visualize the thing. And that's my tool 
to generate what I have in my head. I'm just thinking too, that must be like as a potential customer, I'm thinking you're going to be able to show me every angle, every nuance, every turn, every bend of this suit unlike somebody with just a flat 2D draw, because I'm assuming like most of the drawings are probably like head on, then side on, right? And you, so there's correct, not as much correct. nuance, right? Where you can literally turn this object around and show people. Well, and the other neat thing about like programs like Moto is that you can simulate fur and that's a big one. And that's sick. Because the one thing is, and also I can send you over photos of all these different things that you can put in, but the one thing that's, that's really interesting is, is that, so for example, you're doing a head. You, that fur has a thickness to it and you really have to account for that thickness because if you don't, you know, say if I just go ahead and sculpt it out and I have the, I create the foam to that, you know, that shape and then you add fur on top of it, it's going to, it's going to expand that anymore. And all of a sudden you're going to go from looking right to looking like you got stung by a bee and you're all swollen. So, and trust me, I've made that mistake. <laughs> so it's, it's, so it's definitely it's a very important factor and it's actually a real challenge to try to essentially simulate that even in the computer because fur some you know if you have a piece of fur it's the some some furs the fibers will stand straight up some of them will lay down more so even though you have a particular length of fur what's the actual depth of that fur? Mm. so you have to you have to really you know, look at that. If I take any kinds of fur, I have to essentially get in here and measure what's that fur. But then furthermore, it's like, I'm going to shave it. And when I shave that fur to get it down, what level depth is that going to be? Wow. So those are all kinds of things that you have to you think about and consider when you are, when you're sculpting it. So you're planning out your fur links, you're planning out how you're shaving it. You're doing all of those types of things. Furthermore, when I'm generating the render, I'm also putting all of that in there to control not only like, hey, it's got fur. All right, how frizzy is the fur? How long is the fur? Does it have a lot of variation? How much is it standing up? You know, you're having to put all of those realities into that material to render it, to get hmm. something reasonably accurate. And, and you know, as I've gone, I've kind of done, you know, my renders, I've got, I consider a lot of it, but it's, there's a line of, of you know, it's economics at the end of the day with anything you do. And there's a point of no return where you can like, hey, I can put more in and yes, it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. But the amount of time you put in, you know, the you're going to put in that ninety percent to gain that extra five percent of 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 beauty factor. But really, did it gain you that much perspective? No. So there's a line of how much you put in to essentially get the point across. You know, to to make to communicate well enough what it's going to look like. And, how much of uh, how much of a sure. perfectionist would you say you are? I, I definitely fall in that range, yeah. And it's and it's one of those things that it, it drives me nuts because there's a lot of stuff that I that I do. And I'm like, oh, I wish it was better. But at the end of the day, it's like it's a business, and you know, I have to look at it from the customer's eyes of like, is this going to be something where the customer is going to go, Ugh, or is this something that's like, hey, they're going to be fine with it? And compared to anything else that's out there, it's fantastic. So, and that's what I have to keep in mind. I'm like, all right, there's a line you have to essentially do. And sometimes it is the case where it's like you do something and it's like, okay, this isn't going to work. Can I redo it? And, you know, it sucks. Um, and, but there's also times where it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm going too far above and beyond and instead learn from that and do that on the next suit. Yeah. And, I could tell, I could tell by the way you talk, you have an amazing amount of passion for this and the details, the details are what 
uh, seems to excite your brain. And so I've heard before that um, no artist ever finishes their work. They simply abandon it. And it sounds like exactly. you, you, you have to get to some point where you're like, yes, this is, this is good enough. But also I was just thinking about the part that really brings you the most joy is seeing them and their reaction. And so I could see why you have like this extra pressure you're putting on yourself. Like this thing has to be perfect so that, you know, this person will enjoy this for, so it sounds like um, a really tough dilemma uh, a perfectionist would find themselves put into. Yes. Yes. It, it definitely can be. And, and you have to draw a line in there saying, okay, it's let's go, you know, let that ship sail and let, let's run with it. So, but yeah, it is the case that each one though, but that's the thing is too, is that oftentimes because of how these things go together, it's a ton of planning and you don't really get to see, unfortunately, what the whole thing, you know, what the reality of it is until it's completely done. And that's when you were able to say like, oh, next time I shouldn't do this or next time I should do that. And so those are, you know, and so you learn and that's the thing is, is that that's important. And that's again, getting back to where my staff is like, oh, because every time I do a suit, I change and, and really it's just me improving and trying to, trying to find better ways. Uh, on it and you know whether it's from the artistry side whether it's from the execution side and you know from the execution side i'm trying to essentially achieve that look with the least amount of time because there's right. some you know some and there's things i've done it's like hey yes we can do it it's gonna be a lot of time and time is money and especially when you're paying your you know you're paying your staff you know so that's the thing is too i've rotated through a lot of staff over the years and it's like you have to pay good money hmm. um you know there's there's most of my staff makes in the you know the high 20s to low 30s and that's you know, per hour and it's you know so they're not they're not poorly paid it's it's you have to pay reasonable uh in order to you know to have to sustain keeping that you know to say, to keep that situation to keep that going and you know it's like anything economics are at play and so you have to you have to do that and but but that's the point is is like if you have something that's taking somebody six hours to do what was the cost of that? You know, that labor cost can be significant. And it is surprising how sometimes you can have a little thing, a little fiddly thing that can consume so much time to get it right. So that's where I always have to kind of look at it and, you know, keep an eye on what people are doing is like, oh, they're spending way more time than it should take to do that. Why is that the case? And it's not like they're going slow or what, you know, it's more it's like, okay, I need to examine the process and figure out how I can make that process simpler. Mm-hmm. So then go back through, re-engineer it, you know, figure out a better way to do it and and uh and, and improve that. So that's that's a lot of it. It's basically continuing to make those improvements. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, the other third consideration is is the the user, the you know, the user feedback, the wearability, yeah. the comfort. So one of the things that I've done is I used to have my eyes were basically fully spherical. And, you know, the, the, because you have the white, you know, the sclera part of the eye, and then you have the screen that you see through. And I was using a material called buckram to do that with, and because you can form that, make it three dimensional <laughs> and such. And it's gorgeous. It looks great. But that material is, it's okay. It's not bad to look through. But I found another material that's a, it's a computer vent screen material. And, you know, this particular material has amazing vision through it. It's just, it's like, all right, let's switch over to use this material because I can dye sublimate onto it so that the ink's not going to wear off. It's not going to, you know, if I spray it with alcohol, it's not just going <laughs> to, your eyes are going to run. Um, so you're not going to have any of those types of things happening. 
But the problem is, is that it was that's, and again, this is a time investment. I tried making this material that normally, well, you can see it kind of likes the curl, but mm. I can't make this three-dimensional spherical. I can't heat form it into that. It just won't work. There's a very fine line of where it's working, it failed. Hmm. And so I've learned, like, all right, I have to make this material be flat. And every other maker out there, their screens are flat. Fine. I'll do the same thing too. But if I'll, I can do that trade-off to essentially get, get this improved vision. But now all of a sudden that changed to how, you know, all those components for the eyes are all 3D printed. Those are all procedurally generated. So essentially it's, I draw a curve in there and that generates the rest of everything that's in there, all the components mm. that hold all that together and how that's, so how I install this is going to be totally different than how I installed the buckram. And you now, so it was one of those things like, all right, now I got to redo it. You know, so that whole redo of making, you know, making those components be different. I've got probably 16 hours into re-engineering it to uh, use this material. So it's not a simple change. And so when customers come to me and like, I want to use this specific material or have you do it this specific way? I'm like, no, <laughs> I do it the way I do it. And there's a lot of reasoning behind right. why I do it the way I do. So, cause there's a lot of time invested into making something work and to, and to do it and to accomplish that the right way and not make it be something that needs a ton of time. Yeah. And you've, you've learned those lessons the hard way you've, you've oh, yeah. earned those lessons. So <laughs> it, it definitely makes lessons. sense. You know, I'm just curious. So, so now I've got a good feel for, for who you are, you're meticulous, you're detail oriented. It sounds like you're good at hurting cats as well. Um, so compare this Ryan versus wild SIE, like, like, how do those personalities differ? Like, does it allow you to just let all of that go and you're just kind of happy-go-lucky? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's, it's as a person, I've, I've always, I've always considered myself a very loving, happy person. I'm trying mm. to be as much as I can. There's some days I test that, but, but it's one of those things that I've always wanted to be just a very, I'm, you know, as, as a person myself, I'm very much a touchy feely type personality. I'm very much a, I enjoy giving embrace, receiving embrace. I enjoy mm. that touch. I enjoy that. And fursuiting was one of those things that just like, you know, that you've seen the scissor where they like striking the wall of all the musical notes and it's just pressing their buttons, that type of thing. And it's like that, that's personally for me is what I enjoy. And so Wild Asahi is kind of that side of me being able to let out that loving side and, and be mm. that, you know, be that happy person. And, and, and the suit, I mean, it's funny because it's like that suit was actually a gift to me. That suit was, there's a lot of story behind it. Uh, that suit was a gift to me from the maker who made it. And wow. it, but at the same time too, the personality of that suit really, really encompasses very well who I am and a side of me that I really like to be. And so that's, that's, uh, that was actually a really fun and neat thing. And that's why it's just like, if, you know, most of the, the visibility, the public visibility of, of Wild Asai is through Twitter or X, um, is, is through that, that venue. So if you, if you look through that, you'll see, you know, you'll see basically a lot of, of what that is. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's a lot of it's photos of me doing things and seeing people, but, you know, people seeing me at the cons and being happy and, and getting that experience. And it was always funny that basically given how that suit was perceived and, you know, people knowing me, it was funny because essentially that, that suit, 
I give a ton of hugs in that suit, a ton. And it's just one of those people that, you know, things that people's like, I'll say they want a hug and whatnot. And I have very, 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 in furry, every once in a while, friends will put other friends in their suits. So, you know, and so that's the thing you have to watch out for too. It's like, you'll see a suit and you're like, it doesn't necessarily, that, that suit is that particular person. There might be somebody <laughs> else in that suit. So, and it was funny because I have very, very rarely ever put another person in Wild Asai at a convention. And I have only done that once. And it was funny because the friend that basically he wore, he wore my suit and I wore his suit and he, you know, I'm out there on the, on the con floor with him and I'm just kind of watching. And it was kind of really interesting just as like, as being a third, you know, being a third party watching the interactions happen. And he comes over to me after a little bit. It's like, dude, this is work. Because <laughs> I was just nonstop having to get hugs all the time. And uh, so I was just laughing as I'm just standing back. It's like, ah, that, that's yeah. <laughs> what an interesting way. Like I, I never thought about it like that. This gives you the ability to step back and just see as somebody's walk by and their recognition of you in the way everything changes, their body language changes. They immediately make a beeline for you like that. Absolutely. That connection you have with people, you now get to see that from a third party person. That must be powerful as hell. Yeah, that really was. That really, really was. That's cool. That's, that's exceptionally cool. And also the ability to let somebody share in that somebody that maybe is less comfortable in that environment, right? They can, they can try this on for a minute, try yeah. being, you know, embrace being known as the person who wants them. Like that's, Ooh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, ooh, that's getting me. That's really powerful. That experience. Cause like I've met people, my partner, when I met her, um, she was super uncomfortable getting hugs from people. And I'm, I'm very much a, a tactile person. I love to Yep. to hug my friends and stuff. And so um, if I could have somehow made a, a safe space for her to, to figure that out in, like that seems like such a powerful gift you could give somebody. That's cool. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Well, I tell you what, Ryan, I know you had kind of a tight timetable today. And so I want to be respectful of that. And I'm curious, and, and honestly, this is the the part of the, the podcast where I usually like to ask people if you have anything you want to promote, anything coming up, or is there any socials you want people to go to? Obviously, we want everybody to go to your website because you have a ton of amazing uh, content on there, which I love. Like you talk about your process, you show tons of your pictures. So there's lots of good stuff there. But like, how would you have people interact with you out on the internet? Realistically, so, and, it, and it's interesting, uh, Furry is a little different on how, from a business side of things, how it works, because most, you know, most places are open for business all the time. And they're, you know, you can walk in the door and, you know, I want to order this and they, that's great. <laughs> but in the world of furry and artistry, it's the case of basically where most makers, myself included, will open up for commissions from time to time. And at those times, that's where I'll, I'll post a form, I'll post it on all the social medias that I'm on. So Blue Sky, Twitter, Mastodon. I'll, I'll post that form on there and people can submit for being, you know, if they're interested in getting a suit. And from there I'll go through. And usually what happens is, is basically I get way more submissions than I could possibly ever build. So it's the case oh, wow. and, and it's, and I'll go through and I'll pick. And it's the case, the case of me picking what's the best fit for me. You know, there's a lot of people that they'll want to create something crazy. And I'm like, I have no idea how to make that. That's, you know, so, the, <laughs> so I'm not going to choose things that basically aren't going to be something that I know I can do good with. You know, I'd rather, I want to choose something that I'm going to be successful with. 
Um, so we'll go through and pick the ones that are basically the projects that speak the best to what our capabilities are, uh, our artwork, our style of suits and so on and so forth. And, and admittedly too, I'll, I'll totally admit a big part of it for me is like, I'm building these suits because I want them to be seen. Mm-hmm. And so I want, you know, I will totally admit, I look at the, I look at the people that are wanting to commission me and it's like, are they going to, are they going to do photos of these things? Are they, how active are they? Because again, I want them to be seen. That's my marketing. Those suits getting out there and being worn and being used and being loved. That is what's markets my my product, markets my you know my abilities. So that's also a lot of what I look for is I want to see people that are you know participating and and being social and 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 you know being good that way. So that's that's something I look for. But as far as yeah, as far as out, yeah, I mean people can reach out to me my email. Um, I'll respond that way. I have that on my website. Uh, and that's in my, that's, that's in there. Uh, but generally, yeah, that's, that's really the most of it. I do, I will admit, I need to get totally caught up on, on social media and my website. I've been just so busy working. Uh, end of last year, I was named uh, guest of honor for Midwest Fur Fest and that consumed a lot of time. It was an amazing experience, but it consumed a lot of time. So I was like, I got to get caught up on, on posting things. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's my project for once I get taxes done. That's my project for this year or for this, this, uh, this, or these, these early months of the year here. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the best way. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, I tell you what, Ryan, I appreciate your time. I definitely love your energy, your attention to detail. That stuff absolutely speaks to my, um, my maker brain. I really, um, well, glad you're you. out here making your art, man. So many people, um, don't get to do it for a living. And when I meet somebody who truly like it brings them absolute joy to do it. Cause I've, I've met some people where their art becomes a grind, right? It, it l- becomes a job and it sounds like for you, yeah. it's still actually a passion and yeah. I love it. I, I, I love enjoy it. it. It's, it's each project's unique. Each project is fun. And the, you know, like you're saying, the most rewarding part for me is when somebody receives that and seeing them light up and seeing how much they, you know, how much happy that brings, happiness thing it brings them. That's what, that's what is my reward for doing this. That's cool. That's cool. That's a great note to end on. Let me hit stuff on all this stuff real quick. 